In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, husband and wife ghost hunters reveal the paranormal activity they've encountered in their various homes and how to live with roommates from the beyond. And we talk in our book about when you're home shopping, trust your gut for sure, trust your (laughs) instinct. And we had been looking around for a bigger home and we found this one and in every way should have been perfect, but there was this strange sort of gut feeling about it. But we decided to move in anyway, and it, just from the moment we moved in, there was everything from, you know, really mundane things like the water heater bursting and flooding the basement, you know, an issue with the furnace and things like that. But there were also just so many things that we couldn't explain. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier. And a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com 
forward slash strange planet. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. A quick programming note. Polish journalist Adam Borowski joins me Monday, not today, to discuss how communism affected his country's national psyche. Today, Joey and Tanya Medea, a paranormal investigation duo, they've lived in a lot of homes all over the country, and each of them have been haunted, and they wouldn't want it any other way. Now they've written a how-to guide on how to coexist where possible with roommates from beyond the grave. Tony Medea is an author, Reiki master, and medium who believes in the importance of cultivating and trusting your intuition. Her lifelong experiences with the paranormal and encounters as a medium have led her to state with surety that consciousness can survive the death of the physical body. She's been invited to investigate everything from private residences and cemeteries to retail stores and and community centers. Joey Medea, when he's not investigating strange phenomena, is an award-winning screenwriter, audio dramatist, playwright, novelist, actor, and director. His screenplay, The Man at the Foot of the Bed, based on a true story, has been a two-time official selection and Beverly Hills Film Festival invitee. Joey and Tanya's weekly live stream, Into the Outer Realms, can be seen on Facebook. They're the authors of Watch Out for the Hallway, our two-year investigation of the most haunted library in North Carolina, and their brand new one, Roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home. Tanya and Joey, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? We're excellent and honored to be back. Yes, we're thrilled to be here. Great to have you. In the book, Roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home, you have a paranormal bill of rights talk to me about that right so as we were writing the book and i guess the way our careers progressed and and a lot of this has to do with being mentored for a decade by rosemary ellen guiley um integrity is very important it seems to to continue this journey together to make our field uh more credible uh, against the odds of the, of those who, who don't want us to be taken seriously and those who don't take us seriously, that we need to start codifying some things. And, and, and I'm a systems kind of guy with my brain, the way it works. So as we're laying out our way of working, I said, there's got to be some kind of guiding lights out there. In 160 years of this work, going back, you know, to the mid 1800s, someone had to write down some real guidelines, like a top 10 of things that you should do to do this work well. And I looked out and I didn't find any. So I said, well, uh, what do I do? Do I create a paranormal bill of rights? Because that seems kind of presumptuous. It leaves you open to, well, who are you to create this thing and codify this? But we discussed it. We discussed it with colleagues. We sent numerous drafts to 8, 10, 12 people and said, no, let's do this. I think it's important. And so it's in the book. It's getting a good response. Some paranormal investigation groups have even adopted it. 
and said, this is in our field bag now. Thank you. So so that's that's how it came about. So number one, entities and haunted locations are not specimens or attractions to be examined or disturbed at our whim for our amusement or to satisfy our curiosity. How many how many paranormal groups do you think actually follow that one? Well, we're fortunate to know several that do. Um, but uh, certainly, I think that there are many who do not, who just view it as, you know, maybe just entertainment. Uh, I always, as a medium, look at the... Um, spirits or ghosts that we're encountering they're there i always call them people without bodies so they are as deserving of respect as anyone you ask permission uh, before entering the space inhabited by an entity or entities uh how do you do that it's really all about intention so i would say for me, it's it's literally doing it on the spot. Tanya is a psychic medium. She's engaging with the space sometimes weeks before we go. Right, Tanya, you you even have taken out a remote viewing spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a simple intention. And there have been investigations that we've been on. Um, you had us on for our book, Watch Out for the Hallway. So, you know, we were on at the Webb Memorial Library in North Carolina for two years. We spent 150 hours there. And there were certain areas at certain times during the investigation where we said we would like to bring a group down or we would like to come and visit your space. And if we got a hard no, if we got a threatening response, we honored that. Um, two months ago, we drove all the way down to Point Pleasant from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, from where we are in Ohio. It's about a three and a half hour drive. Mm -hmm. And we got all the way out to the TNT area the first Friday night to do an investigation with two other investigators. And all of us, four of us just felt like the message was, you do not belong here tonight. Um, this is not the place for you. And so we turned around and left. That's commitment, integrity, all of those things. What? Do you do you owe that same uh, courtesy or right, I guess, if we're ca- talking about a bill of rights, to the, the dark entities, these non-human sentient beings that feed on human energy? That's a great question. I think um, first it goes back to what Joey was saying, intention, and what is our intention when, you know, we're encountering these beings. Um, if if it's something that feels very dark and malevolent, um, you know, we do what we can to protect ourselves, to protect the other people who are on the investigation, and we try to leave. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, I guess it would it would be about not um, trying to provoke or trying to even um, presume that, that we know what the intentions of that presumably dark entity are right but that said if we're coming into a space specifically to deal with what we know is a non-human dark entity um then kind of all bets are off with that paranormal bill of rights right if you're if you're a citizen if you're part of the collective and you're somewhat obeying the rules then we owe you certain things if you are intruding if you're trespassing if you're threatening if you're hurting then no bets are off Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about, as I mentioned off the top, both of you have moved around uh, quite a bit. Um, I want to ask ask Tanya about her home in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experiences there. This was in the mid to late 90s. That's correct. Both of my sons were both quite young at the time. And the home was like a tri-level. So it had this sub-level sort of Uh, finished basement area that was like a family room and from the moment we moved in uh, I started having nightmares the very first night and the nightmares were of these demonic beings coming in through the bedroom window and they were just terrifying and I would have these nightmares almost every night my elder son who was about um, nine at the time he kept saying that he was seeing what looked like he couldn't quite tell, but out of the corner of his eye when he was down in the family room, he would see this sort of like hag looking uh, apparition walk across and, you know, the hairs on the back of his neck would go up. And then my youngest son was about two at the time and he would always point up the stairs and, and say scary. So one evening I was in the living room and I kept hearing my younger son, Jeremy, he kept saying something. I couldn't quite make it out. I thought he was playing with his brother. And after a while, I really listened. And I realized he was saying, help me, help me. So I went running down the stairs and he was lying face down as if he was being held down at the bottom of the stairs. His brother wasn't around. He wasn't playing with his brother. And of course, I picked him up quickly. And he pointed up the stairs and said, scary. So that really unsettled me quite a bit. And it wasn't long after that. It was one afternoon. I was in the bathroom getting ready for work. Jeremy was lying down. And I felt and heard this um, breath and this like cackle in my ear. And it was so loud. I ran in and grabbed Jeremy. I went to run down the stairs. And as I did, uh, we moved through something um, tangible. I've never felt anything like it before or since, but it wasn't long after that that I moved. Uh, Back then, I I hadn't uh, discovered my mediumistic abilities and uh, wasn't a paranormal investigator yet, so I didn't quite know what to do except to move. And um, who um, who all lived in Brick Township in New Jersey? Was that uh, Joey, you and Tanya and your families? Yeah, that was within the first five years of our marriage. And again, we were we were passengers. We were not paranormal investigators. We weren't like we didn't even watch things that were paranormal or even horror movies that much. And so tell me, uh, so this is the summer of 2000. You you moved. Now we're talking about a family of five. Mm -hmm. And this is a a two bedroom apartment, Brick Township, New Jersey. What what part of New Jersey is is Brick Township, by the way? so that's in Ocean County, which is is Jersey Shore. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's Jersey Shore. Uh, exit uh, 127, I think, off the parkway. I don't know. I'm a little rusty now. It's been a while. But um, and 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 all of that was fairly mundane. It was almost like a, it was almost like a paranormal starter kit for us, which is wonderful. There was this stinky man. We just smelled like this old sick man smell and i thought it was the boys they were young and you know young boys don't have the best showering habits <laughs> and you know and they're like no no dad we're we're showering we're are you using soap yeah we're using soap dad it's not us and uh, he kind of centered in the boys room which is which is interesting and then um there was a ball that bounced down the hall and um tanya was i i guess you your psychic uh skills were sort of 
putting the signals out there. So you had a lot of these experiences. I I did. Really, it was our daughter, Jolie, who was picking up on it more Mm. than anything. Like she would talk about there's an old man sitting on the couch in the living room and I would go in there and nobody was there that I could see. It was certainly she was seeing someone. She was about two, three at the time. Um, she also would say, uh, somebody just walked down the hallway and there would be no one else in the house. So I think she was really tuning into it. And she, of course, now, um, is a very adept, uh, psychic medium as well. And there was a scene almost like out of the changeling, uh, people will remember that ball bouncing down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And of course you had kind of a similar situation. You were, I think, washing dishes and you felt, well, this ball, uh, came rolling through the kitchen and tapped you on your heels. Yeah, and what was interesting about that is, so the ball had been left in the living room and no one else was in the house at the time. I was washing dishes. In order for that ball to make its way to my feet, it had to make like two sharp left turns. Uh, It it didn't just roll in there. (laughs) Tell me about uh, you actually woke up on the couch and you saw the old man. Jolie saw the old man, but there was one afternoon I was taking a nap on the couch and I had this experience in which, you know, it was kind of in that liminal state and uh, half awake, half asleep, but I could sense and hear all these people almost like being in the middle of a of a bus station or a train station or something and all these people were sort of moving through the space. Um, it was It was really strange. So you were, you were in that apartment for about four years, and you kept uh, dream journals. What is the what is the connection between the dream journals and your uh, your otherworldly roommates? That's a good question. You you know what we found both in the field and looking back on our dream journals. So last year when everything came to a grounding halt and there was so much uncertainty and at the same time our phone was ringing off the hook with people who had things coming through mirrors and were having all kinds of poltergeist activity. It seemed like there was this weird time. So we went back and started looking at our own our old journals and as sometimes happens on paranormal investigations, space-time starts to break down. So there were predictions of things, there were echoes of things, there were answers to some questions about what hauntings were that you couldn't have them unlocked until years later when other things happened and you went, oh, that's what that meant. That's the cipher that unlocks that code. So, So we find that dream journals are just important to keep for us as field journals. Can spirits or ghosts, can they influence or in- interact with our dreams? I definitely think so. I think uh, oftentimes our deceased loved ones uh, come and visit in the dream space um, and frequently do. I think it's an easier uh, dimension, if you want to think of it that way, for them to meet up with us. You are still with the Garden State. You moved from from Oceanside down to Tinton Falls, New Jersey. Right, and that's more middle middle of the state. And that who that was getting thrown into the deep end of the pool. And we're really careful when we named roommates from beyond. We say how to live in a haunted home, because there are certain tropes. You know, myself being a writer. Um, I'm always aware of the tropes. There are certain tropes that go with a haunted house. You say, but Tinton Falls was a genuine haunted house. The energies were dark. 
the experiences were scary. Um, and uh, we could talk about them a little if you want. Yes, please. I mean, because, as you say, this was um, as odd as it was uh, in uh, the other home in New Jersey. It wasn't, these weren't dark entities. It was, it was pretty harmless stuff, right? But things yep. turned decidedly darker in uh, the little Cape Cod in Tinton Falls. Exactly. And we talk in our book about when you're home shopping, uh, trust your gut for sure. Trust your instinct. And we had been looking around for a bigger home uh, and we found this one and it in in every way should have been perfect. But there was this strange sort of, you know, like gut feeling about it. But we decided to move in anyway, and just from the moment we moved in, there was everything from, you know, really mundane things, I mean, in terms of, you know, being able to explain them, like the water heater bursting and flooding the basement and, uh, you know, an issue with the furnace and things like that. But there were also just so many things that we couldn't explain. Our daughter started having nightmares and headaches almost immediately. She was four at the time. Our son, Jeremy, would be uh, awoke in the night and his uh, television would come on, usually around 3 a.m., or his stereo would come on by itself. One night, uh, or morning, I should say, he woke up and on his television, which was turned off, he watched a scene play out where a man was choking a woman and it scared him so much that he went to sleep in the living room. Our phone in our bedroom would ring at almost uh, at almost every night at around 3 a.m. And then shortly after that, I would hear, because we, we're hippies, we had like a beaded curtain in our doorway. And uh, we would just like hear someone move through the beads and the curtain. And I could just sense a presence standing next to the bed. Um, tempers were flaring. Joey got into a huge argument with our room roommate. Uh, it just went on and on. Our roommate got locked in the bathroom for uh, about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. With, with his, he was alone in the house. He'd come home from a wedding and he went into the bathroom and his cat was going nuts in the hallway. Like it was seeing something or was afraid. So he got up to check on the cat and he couldn't get out of the bathroom. Um, the lock was on the inside. And then after about 20 minutes, the door <laughs> The door just opened. Um, Tanya and I both saw this. Well, she saw it bodied. I saw it disembodied. I saw the, like this glowing green hogshead floating about a foot off the ground in our combination office bedroom. Weird, weird stuff. We, we had a guy come to the house to fix the furnace. It, it just stopped working. And there was nothing wrong with it. But prior to that, we were getting this black film all over everything in the house that we would clean and it would come back as this gritty black slightly greasy stuff and he said there's nothing wrong with your furnace but when they cleaned it they didn't put any filters in so this furnace is, is spewing all kinds of junk in your house and and doing you harm and then he he was a psychic medium right Tom? Mm -hmm. if you want to yeah, so we had the furnace had stopped working. We called the furnace man, and when he showed up, I opened the door, and the look that he gave me was so strange. I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to be really <laughs> difficult to deal with. But uh, as it, he was very quiet, and I led him down to the basement where the furnace was. And as we were going down to the basement, he started asking me all these questions. Like, first, he was telling me about my deceased grandmother, who was also a psychic medium. She's with you. You have her same abilities at the time of 
course, I, I didn't know that. Then he said, who's writing about uh, knights and dragons? And at the time, Joey was working on a manuscript for his first fantasy novel. He started saying things about our roommate that he couldn't have possibly known. So after he fixed the furnace, he said that, you know, he'd really like to work with me to help me develop my psychic abilities. And I was like, yeah, that'd be wonderful. So he came back uh, shortly after that. And I said, you know what, instead of working on that right now, can I just tell you what's been going on in the house? And you can give me your feedback about what you think it is. So I shared with him all the things, you know, that I just shared with you. And he felt certain that it was just our son who was about 12 at the time, and that it was poltergeist activity. And he left and we never heard from him again. Um, so I was kind of disappointed I didn't get to work with him on that. But our sense of it was that he was so disturbed by what was going on in the house that he just did not have any interest in coming back. Wow. And did you know that he was psychic when you hired this HVAC guy? No. No, we just picked we picked him out of the phone book. We didn't know anybody in Tinton Falls. We had opened up a business in the next town over. And <clears throat> me being a freelancer – and us moving in with another adult into our house with two small kids, we had a devil of a time finding a house, finding people who would rent to us. So we really we wound up in Tinton Falls because that's where this house was. And uh, no, we didn't know we didn't know anything. But his experience was backed up. Two of our mentors were my aunt and her husband, and they they were healers and licensed counselors and had studied everything from shamanism to herbology, were definitely sensitive. They came to the house one day, and they were very kind of shaken, and we just felt like there were things they weren't telling us. And sure enough, the next day, my aunt calls and she says, Joey, whatever you need to do, I, I'll give you money. Buy, buy yourself out of the lease. Do whatever you need to do, but get out of that house. And and she wasn't like that. She wasn't like that She at wasn't all. a hysterical person. She passed a couple years after that, and we went to visit my uncle. He had moved to Tennessee. And one night after dinner, it was just us. The kids went away. And I said, what was going on there? And he said, look, I'll tell you that it wasn't just the house. It was the whole neighborhood. But I will never tell you what was going on there and which was very odd it was very odd mm -hmm. um so yeah it was just a creepy place more of my conversation with tanya and joey medea when conspiracy unlimited returns when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh -huh. 
CBD oil seems to be all the rage, but it's important to learn the difference and know the background of something that isn't new, but in fact, very, very old. Did you know that the hemp plant which CBD is extracted from has been around for over 10,000 years? And this is probably a conservative figure. Ancient Life Oil is a trusted name for high-quality CBD that can help you reach your ideal well-being. I take an eyedropper full of Ancient Life CBD oil every morning. And one of the things I've noticed and the people around me have noticed is that I'm far less anxious, less stressed, more relaxed. And that's a great feeling. It also leaves me more focused. And I even find that after exercising, I recover from muscle soreness much quicker. Ancient Life Oil, it's big relief in a little bottle. And they have products for your pets as well. Ancient Life CBD oil has no psychoactive effect and it won't get you high. When you're healthy, you're happy. And the truth about this wonderful plant is that it wants to give back to mankind. Life, longevity, and happiness. Ancient Life Oil from ancientlifeoil.com. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Tanya and Joey Medea are here and we're discussing the multiple haunted homes they've lived in and their new book, Roommates from Beyond. Before we get to your next stop, which is West Virginia, you mentioned these strange coincidences and things, and I want to talk to you or ask you about synchronicity. You talk about knowing the value and limitations of synchronicity in Roommates from Beyond. What do you mean by that? Well, Joey always likes to say, if everything is synchronicity, nothing is synchronicity. So I guess it's really learning to use discernment and when is there their real meaning there? Um you know, and looking at it from the perspective of what is this, you know, directing us toward or what is the message here behind the synchronicity? Um, we have some friends, they're, they're wonderful, um, and they do experience a lot of synchronicity. And wherever they go, the people around them tend to experience synchronicity as well, which is fantastic. But they break it down into like every single thing ends up being synchronicity. So um, sometimes you just have to you know, use a little discernment on it and figure out what's the message here. There's a an example you give in the book where Joey, you uh, for no reason apparently just started singing like Bing Crosby. Tell me about that. Oh right. So I wake. I guess I wake up or I'm going through my day and I'm singing this Bing Crosby song. And uh, later that day, my daughter like says, "Oh, Dad, I purchased some music and I thought you might like this." And it's this Bing Crosby song. Uh, the, I, I'm not a mathematician, but the odds of that it's, it's, and it, and it could be as simple as just the synchronicity was about, Hey, you have this great connection with your 21 year old daughter, which is sometimes rare. So just appreciate that. So I don't know that everything has to be cosmic or everything is paranormal, but there was some kind of connection between the two of us, this space time quantum physics thing where either she got the song and thought, oh, I'm going to send this to dad 
and we keep different hours. She's a night owl, and I, I keep fairly traditional hours. So I'm sleeping, and it may have gotten into my sleep state uh, that she was going to send me the song because she had put the intention out and then didn't send it for a while. So synchronicities really help us to look at energetically what's going on in the fabric. It's just another tool. Can you sing like Bing Crosby? Oh, I wish I could. I sing <laughs> I sing a little more like Sinatra. I don't oh. quite have the baritone, but we you know as a sidelight, I don't know if you're a fan of the big old uh, the the old Hollywood blockbusters, but we watched High Society the other day with Frank and right. Bing. Right. Uh gorgeous. So no, he was I think he was one of a kind. Fantastic. Absolutely. You catalog your synchronicities, right? How how uh, how big is this uh, this catalog at this point? Well, the file, I guess, is about 30 or 40 pages broken down into headings, and it goes all the way back to we started cataloging our synchronicities in 2012. Um, it was a time everyone was focused on the Mayan calendar, what might and might not happen, and some colleagues were going, wow, there's, there's so many synchronicities in my life, and they seem to be connected to you guys. So we had this meeting, and from there, so, you know, it could be TV shows, it could be songs, it could be subject matter. Um, the street Willow, any street named Willow seems to have these weird synchronistic things for me. Um, some totem animals like owls seem to have these synchronistic connections. And then I cross-reference them and they're in an e-document so I can, um, I can keyword search them. And sometimes it's helpful um, in finding out what's going on. Are you seeing any patterns? Oh, yeah. I have a book coming out actually in the summer called Parallels and Patterns, My Lifelong Quest for Answers. And I think the key to unlocking our work, and, and I think John Keel was very smart about this, right? He was like, you have to be an anthropologist. You have to be a theologian. You have to be a philosopher. You need to be a scientist. And obviously, we can't be good at all of that stuff. But I think that there are patterns about these intelligences that depending on the time frame, the culture, the level of technology, they manifest to different people in different ways. Like take, for instance, uh, fairies and UFOs. So many overlaps there. Mm. And so my synchronicity journal, my dream journal, my field journals, and just volumes and volumes of reading um, – are starting to uncover these parallels and patterns, yeah. Lots of overlap with owls and, and UFOs as well. Yes, screen memories and all that, absolutely. Um, let's go to uh, Fairmount, West Virginia. Why, why did you move to the hauler? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Um, so we were living in New Jersey, and uh, we just wanted a different uh, way of life. Yeah, post 9-11. Uh, post 9-11 for our kids. And we had an opportunity. We had some friends who had moved to West Virginia. His sister had bought a, a big parcel of land and she was uh, offering to sell us a few acres. And we decided, hey, you know, we went and checked it out. It's beautiful in West Virginia, beautiful country setting. And it just seemed ideal. So we built a house there. And um, wow, talk about talk about activity that was uh it was almost like a laboratory really oh, it was it was very much our first laboratory no question well uh what was your first clue i mean the uh, the the horror story of the move 
Oh yeah, well yeah. Talk about yeah, following your gut. That that was uh, as I followed those guys down the hallway after they showed up like thirty hours late or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm guessing your show is pretty adult, Richard. I think the low point was when I was checking our house, our home that we built, right, or had built, uh, and raised our kids in for seven years. One of the movers left his underpants in a drawer in the bathroom lovely yeah like they were so odd and then they dropped us in the middle of nowhere after my son and that that trip should take uh, about seven hours from jersey to west virginia where we were we were 12 hours following the truck the truck couldn't even make it up the hill to the holler to our, our 300 foot driveway they had to put like all kinds of oil and lubricant in it the next day that was nutty um, that yeah, so it got off to a bad start. But I think from the paranormal, the first thing was portals. That holler had a very powerful portal. Mm-hmm. I think the the very first thing that we noticed, we had gone for an afternoon walk. Just our house wasn't quite ready yet. We were staying with our friends, and <clears throat> they were also in the holler. And we were walking down this hill. Beautiful nature scene. There's just trees and foliage, and everything looks so lovely. And it was just like this perfect, pristine little scene. And Joey said, oh, that's so beautiful. Like, you know, um, and we looked closer, and it was almost like a little fairy village. Um, Joey said, take a picture of that. And the minute I pulled my camera out, it transformed into, like, a pole with rusty barbed wire and, like, trash. And it was, like, completely not what we had just been looking at. It was very strange. But you both saw it at the same time. We both yeah, saw we it did. at the same time. We mm-hmm. did. And that sort of became a pattern the next couple of years it was you know you talk about synchronicities and we needed to leave new jersey um just so many were people were flooding to the jersey shore after 9 11 and they didn't have ownership or connection to the place so they were putting up mcmansions where there used to be these charming beach cottages and the whole thing was changing so we wind up in west virginia everyone thinks we're out of our minds to this day as you know west virginia has there's a lot of misperceptions there are a lot of accuracies, uh, but there are a lot of misperceptions about it. So we got a lot of teasing about what we were doing and ruining our lives. But anyway, we started to notice these things together. And then it was two years later that we drove to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, for the first time, August 2009. So it was exactly two years or mm-hmm. thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And Tanya and I saw the interdimensional being together. And that's what moved us from passengers from passive observers to investigators trying to figure out why is this stuff happening to us? What is going on? And yeah, so so that was our first really joint experience of the paranormal. And there was uh, the the fairy village that you saw that seemed to come indoors because you saw fairy lights in the house. You saw the apparition of a little girl, I guess, at the foot of your bed, mm-hmm. Tanya. This is unusual for a new build, isn't it? I don't know necessarily if it is because I think these things were connected with the land in West Virginia. It just has a, a history, actually, of having a lot of high strangeness. Uh, it, the indigenous people, actually, it, it is said that they wouldn't settle there. They would hunt there, but they wouldn't settle there because of, uh, you know, the spirits that were in the woods. They so, said the woods were full of monsters. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when you read the lore. So, so yeah. And the little girl that I saw, um, I had a dream that I felt like we were talking earlier about can spirits visit you or influence your dreams. And I felt like this dream was very much her showing me what had happened. And she was a pioneer girl. She showed that she was wandering in the woods in the area of our property and, and finally just from exhaustion sat down by a tree and expired. And so she was connected to the land. And certainly, uh, the fairies were, and there was a portal uh, through which a lot of interdimensional beings would come a lot of times through dreams, but other people picked up on them as well. She sounds like she was mischievous too. She, she would hide your car keys, didn't she, Joey? Yes. So coming from New Jersey and being an Italian American, I was just asked to participate in a new podcast that someone's putting together because of my high energy. So I'm a high energy guy. I get really excited about things. I think that's the whole point of life, you know, to get excited and and disappointments. Okay. But anyway, we moved to West Virginia. And the first thing I want to do is I'm running a business that depends on the internet. So I need to get my internet hooked up. So this guy shows up like day two or whatever, like three and a half hours late. And I'm like, what, what's the deal? Like, why have a window? And like, I lost a day of work. And he's like, hey, man, just relax. Uh, you're in West Virginia now. And I was like, well, crap on that, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, like come here on time. And so I had a real long adjustment arc to a more country, peaceful kind of living. And this little girl kind of took it upon herself to before I had to go into town for a meeting, she would hide my keys for three or four minutes or something that I needed or a piece of work for the meeting. And um, some psychic mediums, not Tanya, but others would would give readings and say, oh, yeah, she's just trying to get Joey to calm down, take himself less seriously. And I would have to say she did a pretty good job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you guys moved again in, uh, I guess, 2015. You moved to, to Beaufort, North Carolina. Tell me about what precipitated that move. Well, life in the holler is hard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a, oh gosh, three, what, three mile dirt sort of gravel no, road. No, it, it felt like three miles, but it, it was like actually a mile miles. and a quarter, but all yeah. up and down gravel hairpin turns right and so a lot of winters we'd get snowed in for like weeks um literally and we were just kind of tired of that um as much as we let like the property itself was was wonderful but we were just kind of tired of that and i had been invited to go on vacation myself and our daughter with some friends down to the crystal coast in north carolina and we just fell in love with it and and at that point we really were tired of snow and winter and north carolina seemed like the perfect remedy for that and we said hey being the adventurous uh Spirits that we are, we decided to move down there, and we absolutely loved it. Beaufort has quite a reputation for ghosts. Tell me about it. Well, it does because it has this rich maritime history. So it's sort of encoded. Uh, it's the southern Outer Banks, but it's also called the Crystal Coast, but it's also called the Graveyard of the Atlantic. There are over 5,000 charted shipwrecks going back to the 1500s, um, three, over 300 of which are uh, oil tankers and other merchant ships that were sunk by German U-boats during World War II. I didn't know any of this. 
Um, we kind of knew that there was a pirate thing going on there. Okay, whatever. But um, Blackbeard is attached to that area. Um, all kinds of hauntings. Like I said, so many are maritime related. You know, you're by the water. It's near to where the web library was. And so you have the salt water. Uh, you have the confluence of waters. And those are great energizers for paranormal activity. Um, plus, it's a quaint little town that goes all the way back, depending on who you ask. It's either the third or fifth oldest town in North Carolina. So it goes back to the early 1700s. Um, so it was really by that time. We were really well on our way to being professional paranormal investigators after studying with Rosemary and so many others um, for, I think, eight years at the point. And it seemed to be the right thing at the right time. So we really got invest, uh, involved in investigation there. And, and once again, your your daughter Jolie seems to be, uh, you know, the, the, one, the one to first experience things. Tell me about her experience with the peaking man exactly she um we weren't there very long and she would say i just keep seeing this man like peeking around the corner and um i was never in the room when she was seeing it so i wasn't seeing it but she kept seeing it and then one evening joey was out i think he was giving a, a pirate tour he was part of a pirate walk at the time and i was on a road trip for business and so she was home alone and he was peeking around the corner. So she called me and she said, uh, I, he's here. And could you do me a favor? She said, just kind of check in psychically and tell me what you see. And I said, okay, well, we'll hang up the phone and I'll check in, see what I see. And I said, let me do like a Google search for an image of, of a man, you know, that fits the description of what I'm seeing and you do the same before we compare notes. And so I did that and we both did separate Google searches. And although we didn't pick the same image, we both picked um, World War II soldiers, uh, army uniforms, very similar features. So we were clearly seeing the same individual. And from there, she began to have a dialogue with this young man and began to learn about him. She learned his name was William. Um, and he told her that she reminded him of his um, girlfriend, his sweetheart at the time when he passed. And then Joey did some research later and found that even though we were living in a townhouse that was new construction, prior to the townhouse being built there, it was military um, housing on that property. And was your townhouse in close proximity to what's called the old burying ground? Yeah, it was only a block and a half away. And that, you know, you had asked Tanya about spirits. Um, remember on the statue of mm -hmm. the, of the, if you want to. So, yeah, we would often have visitors from the old burying ground. And, and one evening in our room, I was seeing this, uh, woman, but she kept showing me the image of, of like a monument or a statue. And I just kind of intuitively knew it was from the old burying ground. And the next day I went to check it out and sure enough was able to find the statue, um, and, you know, get her name. And I just kind of felt like she just wanted, you know, to be, um, acknowledged. You, you talk about the four stages of a haunting, and uh, you mentioned something about manifesting, and that's stage one. Walk us through the four stages. Sure. So 
Um, these were originally created, to my understanding, um, simply for uh, possession, for levels of, that lead up to possession. But but I find them very applicable. So manifesting is I start to notice things, things out of the corner of my eye. Uh, a drawer that I knew was closed suddenly opens. My keys are missing. I see weird lights. I hear disembodied voices. All these different things. Low-grade poltergeist activity, all that kind of stuff. Second is infestation. Now, as paranormal investigators, Tanya and I do everything that we can to catch it in the manifestation stage. Um, because then we can kind of honor the Bill of Rights. We can kind of ask the story of both sides and sort of be mediators. When it gets to infestation, it's beginning to interrupt your life. Um, it's happening on a regular basis. Uh, we're working with a guy now who gets these knocks in the middle of the night so he can't sleep. There's another gentleman we're working with who would get these weird visitations by these ghosts so he would be afraid to go to sleep. If it's infesting to the point that it's it's breaking down your sleep habits, it's making you irritable, forgetful, stressed out, the kind of stuff that was going on with us in Tinton Falls was definitely high-grade infestation. Now, infestation leads to oppression. That's the good stuff for dark entities. Like you said, Richard, earlier, they feed on fear. My theory is if you want to get a real energy feast, mess with people's sleep habits. Keep them up. That leads to a really good buffet. So that oppression is just... I'm miserable all the time. I'm angry. It's like when I was having this fight with our roommate that was so out of proportion with what we were arguing about. And then, of course, there's possession. When you're broken down enough through oppression, the doorway kind of opens and they can get inside. And that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate, ultimate. Um, and, and, and we've only experienced possession twice, thankfully. In, in our entire career. Um, and it's nothing to brag about because it's it's incredibly frightening. So so those four um, levels, I think, become very important to the work. And left unchecked, will a manifestation ultimately lead to possession? No, no, because if it's a if it's a human spirit that's simply trying to I'm a professional storyteller and Tanya has experience with it. Um, if, if what they need is simply to tell their story or be acknowledged or or have a piece of secret information revealed so that they can be at peace or someone in their family, um, it's going to stay at manifestation. If they get a little frustrated, it might go to infestation because, hey, when we're trying to call somebody and resolve something and they're not answering the phone, we start calling numerous times a day. You know what I mean? So so it is infestation in that way. But right, Ton, I mean – a lot of these have happy endings. So many of them do. Right, right. It just depends on, you know, what's there, what's causing the activity, what their intention is. Like Joey said, are they just trying to have their story told? And a lot of times, you know, even if it is a dark entity, they're, they're maybe just wanting to feed on your misery, maybe not so much possess you. Um, and as Joey said, fortunately, we've only seen that a couple of times. I think it's probably pretty rare. So from, from Beaufort, North Carolina to Levittsburg, Ohio, uh, was this 2018? Just So just a couple of years ago, th coming up yeah. on three years ago, you moved from the beautiful coast of North Carolina to a, a, a quaint Sears catalog cottage in Levittsburg. 
Yeah, and it was for a business opportunity. It was we had been doing some work with some people who were ten and a half hours away, and and we were upping our multimedia game. And the pirate work that I had done in historical entertainment and education had really taken off, taken me interesting places. And and so we love this house, but. One, I guess the most interesting thing about this house, other than it's been a very active laboratory, um, is that I went out to the mailbox one day and in the driveway, this was, I think, in our first six months here or our first three months here. um, And we had signed a two year lease with no intention to stay beyond the two years, do a whole bunch of work and then move on. And there are these two, I guess, game tiles. I can't find their origin by doing an image search online. One is a number three, and the other one says dead end, and they are embedded in the driveway face up. So there's no way that we miss these at any point, but they're there, but they're embedded. So it's very odd, and as things started to happen this year and things took a turn, we had three different opportunities in three very different places in the United States all fall apart because nobody's going anywhere and no one's having entertainment or venues or anything like that. Everything's online. So doors have closed. We are now positive. We postulated when we put out the book, you know, five months ago that we would be here for three years. And it looks like we're going to be here for three years plus. Why would anyone choose to live in a haunted house? Wow. It's a good question. Yeah, I think uh, some people are just very interested in, you know, what's going on with that phenomenon or, you know, what is it that uh, creates the opportunity for people to cross, you know, from beyond the veil and communicate with you. So for us, um, we're used to it now. So we don't necessarily choose for the home to be haunted, although it seems like that's always the case. But I always say that the whole world is haunted. It's really just a matter of tuning in to these energies that are really everywhere. So um, I think that people who are who are really sensitive, who are able to tune in, are go- are going to find that they can find hauntings pretty much anywhere. If you found yourself in a location that, that where there was no activity, would you be bored? Would you move out? Oh, I would be sorely disappointed. You, you know, I think an aspect of it is. We and this may sound a little crazy, but so what? Um, we enjoy the company. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. And often places where we live, we seem to get drawn to portal areas. I've said that lots of times, and I really do deep down believe it. We are somehow drawn uh, to portal energies, places with portals. So we get lots of pass throughs. We were doing our show into the outer realms one day, our weekly live stream. And someone in the chat room says, there's a woman behind you and half her face is burned off. We're like, oh, that's very interesting. Okay, that's odd. And it's a different delivery mechanism as investigators to have someone who's watching you across the internet see that. Um, But sure enough, right, Tanya? It was a woman whose house had burned down in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and somehow she found us and you crossed her over. Yeah, as a medium, I enjoy having these encounters because I just want to know if there's something I can do to help. Uh, Are they needing help to cross over? Is there a message that they'd like to get to someone? Um, So I enjoy it. Roommates from Beyond, How to Live in a Haunted Home. How do we get a copy? 
Amazon. And the, the live stream into the Outer Limits? Oh, Into the Outer Realms. I'm sorry, Into um, the Outer yeah, Realms. Yeah, no, that's okay. Outer Limits was, oh, wow, so great. Um, but Into the Outer Realms is on every Thursday night um, on our Into the Outer Realms Facebook page. Uh, we do it through StreamYard, and uh, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tanya, Joey, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for this. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to share a few words about an upcoming episode. Check out the huge selection of Strange Planet merchandise in my online shop. Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop in the menu or find the link in the episode notes for this podcast. At my Strange Planet shop, you'll find unique men's, women's, unisex t-shirts and athletic shirts, leggings, tote bags, mugs, neck gaiters, and stickers and more. All emblazoned with amazing artwork designed exclusively for my Strange Planet shop by artist illustrator Rick Forgus. If you're a fan of Strange Planet, why not show it off? Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on shop or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link. It's a strange planet. Dress for it. Coming up next time, Polish writer Adam Borowski discusses how communism destroyed his country's national psyche and warns Marxists in North America to be careful what they wish for. I'll say this. I know you're not going to believe this. When you hear it, you'll think it's just made up. And I know that no words can express and you will not believe it, right? Because you don't want to believe it, unfortunately. But when it happens, it'll be too late. And then you remember that there was somebody who told you about it, who warned you against it. Unfortunately, just didn't listen. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats, we need. We need constant petting. 